from Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, July 23rd, 2010. It seems just like yesterday. It was the beginning of 2010. And this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando, Florida studios is a full and robust podcast crew. Directly in front of me is the very lovely Maya Strang. Hi. Welcome back. We missed you last week. Thank you. I'm just glad you didn't introduce her after saying full and robust. Yeah. I was worried. Uh, Person at the scene. Yeah, I was worried. Uh, immediately to her left is Ryan Ham. Hey, everyone. The dulcimer tones that you just heard marks the triumphant return of the one and only Josh Loveless. Hey, people. On the uh, ones and twos behind the wall of glass, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snavely, who got snubbed on the mics today. Yeah, I've got the crappy mic today. Sorry. (laughs) And on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. And I haven't been this excited since I saw that double rainbow and posted on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lloyd uh, Kinsley in England is having to work late once again, hmm. so he can't join us. I think he works for a sweatshop. Like a, I'm basically picturing Lloyd in a Dickens novel. <laughs> <laughs> he works for Mr. Scrooge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, even though it's July there as well, it's very, very cold. Only has one lump of coal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a fun uh, podcast in store for you today. We have a interview with uh, author and pastor Pete Wilson coming up. And we also have a spotlight of an, a new artist that we like a lot and we think you will too named Audrey Assad. So stay tuned for that. But first, your entertainment releases. Let's see, music coming out on Tuesday, July 27th. We have Best Coast, Crazy for You is coming out. Menomina is coming out with Minds. Andrew Peterson is coming out with Counting Stars. Jessica Hoop is coming out with Hunting My Dress. Hmm. Apparently she lost it. Um, sounds like a it sounds like a reality show. Social studies is coming out with Wind Up Wooden Heart and former podcast guests the museum are releasing Let Love Win. That was a good performance. Movies coming out on Friday, July thirtieth. We have Dinner for Schmucks, starring Steve Carell, Paul Rudd, Zach Galifianakis. It's gonna be good. I think so too. Yeah, you know who I. You know what I was thinking though. I think Zach Galifianakis needs to be in a movie with Danny McBride, and they need to be like, <laughs> you know, they need to be the stars. Who's Danny McBride? He's he was in. Um, he was in Pineapple Express and Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. He was the explosions expert in Tropic Thunder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Couldn't you see him and Zach Alphanakis being like two weird brothers? They could basically remake Step Brothers. Yeah. But with Danny McBride and Zach Alphanakis. And it, and would, it would be, be like, funnier. It would be like disturbing and violent. I thought you loved Step Brothers. I do. <laughs> but, but I'm saying like, I think they could make it even better. But I do love Step Brothers. Better than Will Arnett? Really? Well, fair oh, oh, I, oh! I, uh, what am you're I thinking, thinking of? of um, the brother Solomon. Solomon. Oh, <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Oh, Step Brothers with Will Ferrell yeah, and that other John guy, C. Riley, John C. Yeah. Riley. Yeah. No, uh, you're thinking of Brother Solomon with Will Arnett yeah. and uh, Will Forte, yeah. which is a wildly <laughs> underrated comedy. I was on TBS <laughs> the other hilarious. night. I watched the whole thing last night or a couple nights ago on TBS, and I thought of you the whole time. Is it funny? <laughs> is it funny? No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> no. How dare you? 
<laughs> you have to be in the right mood. But I'll, I'll tell you, it, it is probably the most underrated comedy of the last 10 years. Wow. And then I would Whoa. say behind that is Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Oh, that man. That movie is hilarious, too. Jesse. Wow. Have you not seen it? No. It's, oh, the movie's terrible. <laughs> I, I question all of your senses of humor. I was saying, but Jesse likes like Steven Seagal movies and stuff. Yeah, but I always assumed it was somewhat ironic. No. No? Not at all. Just straight up? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Say what you will. <laughs> but CBS found it funny enough to put on, so... Very funny enough. <laughs> yeah, very funny. They also think Tyler Perry's funny, so... And George Lopez, so... Yeah. <laughs> that against me. Yeah, what happened there? They used to actually run actually funny things, and then all of a sudden they signed Tyler Perry and George Lopez. Yeah, but it's, it's the highest rated show on cable. What yeah. is Tyler Perry's House of Pain? Mm-hmm. Well, they say that. I, <laughs> I yeah, they say, Nobody they say ever it's the most those popular up. sitcom of all time. I've literally heard them say <laughs> no. some insane statistic. No, like that. no, 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 no. Who says that? Uh, they, TBS. They can't say that about themselves. No, no they TV, do. TBS does say it's the. High, I think it really is the highest rated show, highest rated show on cable. That's unbelievable. Well, it's the same reason his movies like go to number one half the time this first weekend. I heard that the highest rated show on the E Network is Chelsea Lately. Really? That that's shocking. Oh, wow. Yeah. Higher than the soup? Yeah. The other day, uh, me and a couple of buddies were looking on YouTube just to see if we could find George Lopez stand-up comedy that was funny. Okay. <laughs> And and we came across a, a, a link, and I'm sure you know you could you could you know people can go and play this, but because it's like um, it's something like George Lopez humiliates Stephen Colbert, okay? And I'm thinking, uh oh, this is going to be good, you know? I mean, his regular jokes are pretty bad, but how does he humiliate him? I guess George Lopez was like really upset that he lost the Grammy for best comedy album to Stephen Colbert. And so George, this is George Lopez's zinger. He's like, I lost, and he kept calling him Stephen Colbert or Bert. <laughs> you know, like I don't even know the guy's name. And so his big zinger was, I lost to, losing to Stephen Colbert at the Grammys is like losing to the funniest guy that works at State Farm. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how does that even make sense? What are you saying? Stephen Colbert looks like a, like just like a nerdy middle aged working class guy. So. Like a guy that works at State Farm, yeah. you know, that's like a, that was his zinger. That's an insult to State Farm. He's saying they're not very funny. Yeah. That's yeah. that's offensive. I think insurance people probably be very funny. They're hilarious. <laughs> you know, I'm sure. <laughs> if, you, if you want to lock yourself in the room with one person, it's an insurance. <laughs> yeah, them, trust yeah. me. Call him up and talk to him about your accident. It gets real hilarious. <laughs> All right. Also coming out in theaters, we have Charlie St. Cloud starring Zac Efron and Kim Basinger. Oh, Maya is going to be in line. Kate and, I, Kate and I burst out laughing during the preview for Inception. There's this one part where what it goes all slow-mo and it plays a super emo song and he like shoves all of his stuff off his desk. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and last and least, The Dry Land starring America Ferreira, Ryan Onan, and Jason Ritter. I don't know. I'm hoping that's the sequel to Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> no, I think that's Charlie St. Cloud. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I seriously was waiting at when I saw when the trailer for Charlie St. Cloud came on at any moment for it to turn into a horror film. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's about like his, his dead little brother who's yeah. like friends with the ghost to play catch with. And I seriously thought it was going to be like a creepy like Haley Joe Osmond kid. <laughs> but I was disappointed to see it was not. All right. Well, that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. Days. I wish you knew I'm not the one 
you're listening to The Like, the song is Release Me. It's playing right now on Relevant FM. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Surfer Blood. The song is Take It Easy. It's playing right now on Relevant.FM. It's from the new album, Astro Coast. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Ryan? Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this today, but um, earlier this week, there was almost a huge breach in airport security, but fortunately he was caught. And it was a guy trying to get into Mexico, and he was trying to smuggle in 18 monkeys. And he (laughs) got, he formed... He was smuggling the monkeys into Mexico. Yeah, he was smuggling the monkeys into Mexico from Peru. Aren't there monkeys in Mexico? Well, they were tiny. They were these tiny monkeys that apparently were very prized as pets. So they were small enough. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, want a tiny monkey? They were small enough that like they would fit in socks. Yeah, I've seen these on the internet. You you can literally carry the monkey in your pocket. Yeah. So he would tie. He tied eighteen of them to a belt that he wore around (laughs) his stomach. A live monkey belt. Yeah, because he well he was afraid that they would get killed by the X rays. Uh, in like going through the security thing, but they're I just think, X-rays. Well, I think he had them in his carry-on, and so he decided to walk through the metal uh, metal detector, and they said he was acting strangely. Well, which, he had eighteen monkeys right. around his waist. <laughs> <laughs> well, got, yeah. Well, when you got to think, I mean, if you're the size of a monkey that can fit in a pocket, that's a lot of radiation. Yeah. Uh, right. So anyway, so this guy's trying to protect the monkeys and his investment, obviously, and he walks through with. 18 monkeys tied to his waist. Do you imagine if they, they got, got on the plane and like the monkeys got loose that like, been in the air? Like that would have been like a monkeys, monkeys on, on a plane. plane. That would have been <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an awesome sequel. Yeah, that would have been a bad um, Disney movie. I feel like sort of like Dunstan checks in part two. Um, <laughs> Wait, you said a bad it'd be, Disney movie. It'd be like movie. Air Bud. <laughs> air Bud. Air monkeys. Receiver, yeah. Um, but it does have a sad undertone because two of the monkeys died. Oh, yeah, because they were stuffed in yeah, socks. Yeah, because they were stuffed in socks. I, I figured it was the X-ray machine that he no. went through. No, oh. oh, two of the monkeys died. <laughs> oh, thanks, Debbie Downer. <laughs> Way to you kick out flies. Yeah, just seriously. lied and like, and, and all eighteen monkeys were were free and ran the airport for a day <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, it is. They all escaped on a luggage cart. <laughs> it was really interesting that like they said. Wasn't that, that a Curious George book? Probably. <laughs> Probably it does sound like it. It should have been. And then the man in the yellow hat showed up. That's what he needed. A big yellow hat. You could put the 18 monkeys in the hat. It's true. You could have just said that 16 monkeys lived. I think that's just a better that's, way to say it. The good news is 16 yeah. of these little monkeys <laughs> didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jesse, what do you have? Okay. Well, you know, I, I usually don't cover the celebrity gossip beat, um, but I want to cover this story for two reasons. One is it is it it's an example of how to bury the lead. When you know that's that's a journalism term, and you don't have to be uh, a, a student of writing to figure out how they buried the lead in this. Okay, the headline is rapper and Law and Order star Ice T arrested in New York. So I was kind of curious. You know, Ice T used to be like you know hardcore, and so I was thinking, what could he possibly have been arrested for? So I clicked on it, and the first sentence of the story basically says. He was pulled over and arrested for driving on a suspended license without a seatbelt. So I'm thinking, okay, this is the second paragraph. Ice-T, whose real name is Tracy Morrow, posted to his Twitter on Tuesday morning that he and his wife Coco were up early to take their bullfrog in for knee surgery. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I was the editor, the headline would be, 
bullfrog goes in for knee surgery. And then, then it would be like, in related news, the bullfrog belongs to Ice-T, who was also arrested on his way to the veterinarian. Like, you're telling which which headline grabs you more, okay? Rapper and Law & Order star Ice-T arrested in New York, or bullfrog goes in to, for knee surgery. Like, the fact that the bullfrog is owned by Ice-T and his wife is a side note. And the fact that he was arrested while driving the bullfrog in for the operation is even a deeper side note. This is this is an example of our backwards liberal media. Wait till, wait till Glenn Beck gets a hold of this one. How do you think you find out that your bullfrog uh, needs knee surgery? Yeah, yeah what happened? Maybe yeah, only did, did he did he tear his ACL like <laughs> Why don't you just... seen from leap you know uh, lily pads? Isn't that when you just like put it in a shoebox and bury it in the backyard and get maybe. another bullfrog? Maybe it maybe it just hopped in circles. Just over and over again. Yeah, but again, why are you taking it? It's it's like the he Seinfeld on it or something. where he hit the, the squirrel and he had to take the squirrel in for surgery and they had to send away for very tiny instruments. Yeah, well, it's think about like, if you're the surgeon, okay? You wake up that morning and you're like, you're, you're putting the gloves on, you got all the instruments out and, you know, everyone's waiting and they're like, you know, somebody runs in, sir, we got bad news. Ice-T has been arrested and his bullfrog will not be coming in for the knee surgery today. <laughs> So obviously, I mean, if you guys watch TMZ, you know, that's going to be all over the place. So Ice-T and Lohan, just big news. <laughs> um, okay, so apparently uh, Bill Murray was the voice of Garfield in the mm-hmm. Garfield movies. Um, but lately, Bill Murray's been doing a lot of cooler movies, more indie flicks and stuff that we like, like Lost in Translation and Aquatic Life and stuff. Well, apparently he read the first few pages and saw that it was by Joel Cohen. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So he did the whole thing. And when the, he was watching it, at, you know, before it came out, he's like, why is this movie so horrible? Like, why did he agree to do this? And he found out that it wasn't Cohen, C-O-E-N. It was Joel Cohen, C-O-H-E-N. A completely, it was not one of the Cohen brothers. Right. And so he, he did this whole film thinking it was a completely different. He thought the Cohen <laughs> brothers were doing the Garfield movie. Oh, my gosh. Uh, movie. <laughs> Well, I, I'll f- <laughs> that's a good excuse for the first Garfield movie. Oh, Why yeah, did he do the he sequel? The sequel <laughs> yeah. Fool me once. Shame on you. Maybe, maybe he grew accustomed to sleeping on a bed of money. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> again. Yeah, he 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 was like, uh, oh man, this uh, <laughs> uh you know that that first one they really got me that Joel Cohen thing. But don't worry, <laughs> Garfield two is being directed by Wesley Anderson. <laughs> so, I'll do it. I'll do it. It'll be way better. Uh, oh. And apparently they were talking to him, and he couldn't even remember his, who he did the movie with, but he really liked it. it was he, I guess Jennifer Love Hewitt did the girl's voice in the movie. He couldn't remember her name. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if he did that movie. Like you know, some guy from the studio came over with a microphone, and Bill Murray just sat like in a robe and in his boxers, like on the couch, and just read it in one take. <laughs> there you go. Tell, tell Joel and Ethan I said hello. All right, you have a slice. I do. Last week in New York, uh, a man in his seventies uh, had a botched robbery attempt when he walked into a midtown clothing store and started firing his gun and yelling at a manager, "You want one? You want one?" literally yelling and screaming, guns blazing. And uh, he said to the manager that this was a stick up. 
<laughs> he made the announcement. This is a stick up. Was and he wearing like a black and white striped shirt with like Robin's <laughs> bandana over his eyes? No, but this is what's golden about it. He walked in with his gun, carrying a cane and having an oxygen tank. <laughs> Can you imagine? So this guy walks in, gun, oxygen tank, and the cane. Um, and he walks away, uh, hobbles away in a big, shiny black Cadillac. Awesome. Stole a couple of things that they gave him. What you usually think about in situations like this to prevent a getaway is the cops would aim for the tires, right? And I think in this case, all they had to do was shoot out the oxygen tank, but I guess they didn't think about that. <laughs> so this, this, guy, uh, this guy made it out, and they haven't caught him yet. They have not caught him. Nope. It's well, because I'm not going to sleep very well. <laughs> I know. He actually was like shooting his gun? Shooting his gun, saying, oh you gosh. want one, you want one. Like, this is an angry old man. It's true. And he hobbled away. And no one tackled him. No one came <laughs> after him. It's amazing. Did he have a walker? It, what, what, what they didn't say was that the gun was one of those big pirate guns that looks like <laughs> uh, like the like a trumpet at the at the top, and it only gets one shot. <laughs> and he had to he had to muzzle load it every time he shot around. I think there's a musket. They just they? waited for. Yeah. Him. Had a bayonet at the end. I think I think those old pistols have a really funny name. I can't remember what it is though. Is that a bandolier? No, that's no. the one with the knife at the end. That'd be good. He could stab. It's not a musket. Like no. the three musketeers. Well, that's like a a musket is like a rifle. Yeah. I thought a bandolier was like a pirate's gun. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't usually have a slice, but I have to read one. Jeremy Copeland sent me this link on Twitter, and um, <clears throat> the headline reads: "It's an AP story." Parachuting donkey shocks Russian beachgoers. <laughs> Russian, I, I read about this today. Russian beachgoers got a shock when they saw a donkey soaring in the blue skies over the balmy beaches in the Sea of Azov in southern Russia last week. A regional police spokeswoman said the donkey ended up in the skies as a result of an impromptu advertising campaign by several Russian entrepreneurs to attract beachgoers to their private beach. Instead, they attracted the attention of regional police who learned of the flying donkey earlier this week and launched a probe. Quote, the donkey screamed and children cried. Regional police <laughs> spokeswoman Larissa said, Larissa Tchkovna said, no one uh, had the brains to call the police. Instead, she said people reached for their cameras and bombarded the local newspaper with phone calls. The donkey landed in an atrocious manner. It was dragged several meters along the water, after which the animal was pulled out half alive onto the shore. Oh, oh my God. And it said the incident is stunning, even for a country where animal cruelty is widespread. Can you imagine anything more disturbing than hearing a donkey screaming? Screaming in terror <laughs> and then being dragged along the water. Well, how would you like to be, you know, like a fly on the wall during that conversation for those entrepreneurs? It's like, guys, listen, I know we need to drum up some business. So I got an idea. All we need is two things. Donkey parachute. Who's in? Well, like, how is this going to attract people to your private beach? I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I also feel like that conversation with the entrepreneurs took place with a lot of drinks because well, that is the only way that conversation well happened. you guys have heard like i mean the phrase when donkeys fly right <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like it's somehow like came from something like that where yeah we're, I, the phrase goes when donkeys fly that's when i'll go to the private beach <laughs> <laughs> it's a very it's a very it's a very underknown russian colloquialism yeah yeah, yeah it, 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 roughly that's a translation yeah yeah i feel so bad for that donkey i know uh, russian donkeys have it rough you should rescue the donkey and make him your pet. We should make it a I cause. Might. You could smuggle them out of Russia in your socks. <laughs> <laughs> be amazing if you could. It never ends well for the donkey. <laughs> he better just try his luck on the parachute because I'd say that's the moral of every story, isn't it? It never ends well for the donkey. <laughs> um, right. It's all fun and games until we scare the crap out of a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned.
Up next, we talk to Pete Wilson. You're listening to Social Studies. The song is Holler Boys. It's playing right now on Relevant.fm. Can I be honest? If I was going to pick a band name and name it after a subject in school, I think Social Studies would be the last one I would choose. What would you choose? Well, I'm just saying, like, Social Studies. I'm such a generic... <laughs> Recess? <laughs> <laughs> what a great band name is Recess. You'd be like a ska band and everyone would love you. We had, like, a 10-minute break in school called Royal Recharge. You <laughs> did not. <laughs> what? <laughs> what school did you go to? I was, uh, I was a part of a private school in which we were known as the Royals, and so our 10-minute break uh, mid-morning was Royal Recharge. Wow. True story. Yeah. Christian's terrible with branding <laughs> mm-hmm. no but that would be an awesome band name royal, so uh, yeah i would be in the band royal recharge over that's true that's pretty good social studies pete wilson is the pastor of cross point church in nashville tennessee uh it's the second church he's planted in the last seven years he recently released a new book called plan b what to do when god doesn't show up the way you thought he would he wrote a piece for the current issue of relevant didn't he or is it the last issue Oh, last, last issue. Yeah, the last I issue of Relevant. I think it was May-June, yeah. And he also wrote a piece for the new issue of New, which just went yes. to the printer. Yeah. So make sure to check those out. Our editorial director, Roxanne Weeman, recently spoke to Pete Wilson. Here's part of that interview. So I guess just to start, um, I'd love to have you just kind of talk about um, why you wrote Plan B. What prompted that? What made you think this is the book people really need need to read right now and the message people need to hear? Right. Well, I, you know, when I had the opportunity to write a book, there, there were several different topics that kind of came to mind uh, that I, I could have been really passionate about writing. But for me, um, this topic of uh, the correlation between crisis and spiritual transformation was was really just kind of the forefront of my mind and my heart. Just as a pastor over the years, I would say 90% of the meetings and counseling sessions I've had with people uh, have to do with them realizing that there's some area of their life that's just not working out in a way that they thought it was going to work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're disappointed because they're in the midst of a shattered dream, whether it has to do with their marriage or their ministry, uh, whether it has to do with um, you know their, their their children not turning out the way they thought they would, their finances. Um, you know, just just everyone is is struggling with. Um, these shattered dreams and, and struggling with life not turning out the way that they thought and, and yeah. in fact for Christians struggling with the fact that God hasn't shown up for us sometimes in the way that we thought He was going to show up. How do you help people when they come to you and their dream dies? Like they're coming to you with a dead dream. How do you help them just really deal with that in real life um, and and move on? Yeah. 
and and that's the, that's a great question because that's the other half of this. That, you know, as Christians, it, it's it's not enough just to give them the other side of the coin and say, yeah. uh, you know, uh, life thinks this happens, move on. Uh, you know, the reality is we we don't get to choose if we have shattered dreams, but we do get to choose how we respond. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in that response that there lies a tremendous amount of hope. And so I, I try to spend a lot of time um, just walking people through how is it that you're going to respond to this crisis, to this shattered dream. And the question I often come back to, and I, I wrote about this quite a bit in the book, but it comes back to this question of what would you do if you were confident that God was with you? You know, what, what would you do right now in the midst of the difficulties you're facing as you're pastoring your church? Uh, what would you do with the difficulties in your marriage or in your finances or with your kids in your career? What would you do if you were absolutely confident that, that God was with you? Because it goes back to this idea again that, you know, we feel like when we're in the midst of a shattered dream. That, that God has abandoned us. And yet the truth of Scripture, and we see this all the way through the entire Bible, that God is most powerfully present, even when He seems to be most apparently absent. That He's there. Even though you might not be able to see Him in your circumstances, He's with you. And uh, we see that promise over and over again in Scripture, that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And um, I think it's a beautiful promise that I really try to point people towards when they're in the midst of their shattered dream. You talk a lot in the book and in, in your articles about, about giving up control or realizing that, that you're not in control. Um, yeah. But how do you help people sort of balance the idea of of letting go with also knowing that you still have to act and take responsibility yeah. and that you have responsibility? Things. Yeah, right. yeah. It, it's another you know thing where you, you can take it to one extreme or the other. I think most of us you know uh, do struggle with that illusion of control. Mm-hmm. And um, while in my life um, there are certain things I, I'm called to do. Uh, you know, there's certain things as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, there's certain things in God's Word that I'm commanded I should do. Um, the, the difference for me is this, that with this illusion of control, I have to give up the idea that I control the outcomes in my life. It, it's, it's, I, I think the problem is, again, we go back to this idea that God is like this vending machine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our our prayers and our good deeds and, and all the things that we know we're supposed to do, that if, if we do those things, they're like the, the coins that we can put into the vending machine, and then we get back what it is that we were expecting to get from God. And um, it, with the control issue, what, what I have to do is I, I have to give up my right to control those outcomes. It, it's, it's as simple as, hey, there is a God, and it's not me. And so the, the problem with control, uh, and, and it's the opposite of control, it, it's surrender. You know, will I get to that place that even though I'm going to do the things that, that I'm called to do and I'm commanded to do, it, it doesn't mean that if I do that, that it's all going to turn out the way I want it to turn out. So I give up that right to control outcomes and I truly surrender my plans and my dreams and, and all of it to God. 
the problem for so many of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, is we want our dreams more than we want God. We want our life to turn out the way we want it to turn out more than we're willing to really trust Him with our life. We'll trust Him with our eternity, but we don't trust Him with our life here on this earth. And therein lies, I think, this real battle that every one of us faces on a daily basis to truly surrender our life and our plans, dreams, outcomes to God. How do you help people who, you know, for example, right now it's, it's, you know, unemployment is, is so high and so many people are out of jobs. And how do you help people who are saying, this was my only plan, this was plan A, and now I have nothing and I don't know, I don't know where to go. I have, I have zero options or what seems like zero options. How do you help people just on a really practical level when there doesn't seem to be a plan B? Yeah, and I think that's where, again, we go back to God's promises, uh, that He does have a plan for our life. It, it may not be our plan, mm-hmm. uh, but He does have a plan for our life. And uh, I think that, and, and I've been there several times in my life where I've been in between things, and I, I would I would have been happy with a plan B. I would have been happy with a plan C. I've been happy <laughs> with any plan because it felt like yeah. there was nothing. Yeah. I mean, it just felt like there's just just large sea of emptiness in in front of me. One of the things I I kind of wrote about in the book was an experience I had with um, my youngest son. He he happened to just turn four. He was three when this happened, but I was was watching my three boys while my wife was out. And my youngest son, Brewer, he is just, wow, he's a handful. (laughs) And uh, I was keeping him uh, satisfied and happy with these little fruit snacks, which, if you have kids, you know, everybody's kind of familiar with these little fruit snacks. They, they have no fruit in them, but they're in the shape <laughs> of fruit, which makes you feel better as a parent. And uh, I was just feeding these things to him one after another. And um, I finally had to cut him off because he had like so many. I knew this was going to turn bad. And so I, I cut him off. And I was like, you cannot have any more of these, son. And uh, of course, he just threw a fit. I mean, just laying on the floor, crying, screaming, kind of fit. And I pick him up and I'm trying to hold him and he just keeps screaming, you know, I want my mommy, I want my mommy. <laughs> and I realized in that moment, he he doesn't really want his mommy. He wants what he thinks his mommy might give him. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought about the parallel in, in my spiritual life of so much of my crying out to God, so much of my prayers, so much of my worship really isn't about God at all. It's about what I think He might give me. And I think what happens in our lives when we're in that place where um, we have no plan B, we have no plan C, we we don't have a clue what's going to happen next, is God uses those moments and He uses those seasons for us to just be utterly and completely dependent on Him for what's next in our lives. And as difficult as those times have been in my life, looking back on them, they were also some of the sweetest times of my life as far as my relationship with God, my just pure dependence on Him, and the things that He taught me about Himself during those times was um, just amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, and again, in those moments, I would have given anything to have gotten out of it, 
But looking back, uh, I, I wouldn't give anything for those moments and, and for what God taught me uh, in those times of despair when, when you just didn't know what was next and you had to totally trust in Him. That was Pete Wilson. You can join the 70,000 plus people who follow him on Twitter at twitter.com slash P Wilson. You're listening to Brandon Flowers' song is Crossfire. The video is playing right now on Relevant.TV. Audrey Assad is an up-and-coming um, 27-year-old Phoenix-based singer-songwriter who's been catching a lot of buzz lately. Some of our favorite artists uh, list her as their favorite artist. Uh, Gunger, who's performed here on the podcast, and Jarza Clay as well, who's also performed here on the podcast. Both are big fans of Audrey's. So we thought it would be great to spotlight her and introduce you to her music. Her debut album called The House You're Building was just released on July 13th. Elise Gilligan spoke to her. Here's part of that interview. And for love of you sort of like a finish line to a spiritual journey you've been on over the past few years and even at one point you felt moved to convert to Catholicism in the process. What was it that pushed you to explore and redefine your faith along this process and do you think it shows up in your music? Oh yeah, it definitely does. I I think that the Catholicism thing was a long time coming. I mean, I had those questions long yeah. before this record was even uh, born in my mind or possibly even before I knew that I was going to do this for a living and uh, it happened you know I don't think by coincidence but to use that word it, it kind of happened to coincide with um, the road that led up to this record so there is a lot of that in the songs because a lot of the songs that I wrote you know I wrote two years ago and that was right after I had come into the Catholic Church, so there's a lot of that kind of seeking, questioning, you know, um, just really believing that God is leading, and uh, there certainly were other things going on that influenced those songs as well, but that was definitely part of it. What is it you're wanting to express to your listeners through these songs? I I think it's twofold. I really want people to really believe, not just know, but believe and maybe even feel, you know, 
such a dirty word in <laughs> theology these days, but I feel like I want people to feel like they have a home and that with all of their eccentricities and uh, and flaws, you know, but also just their oddities and their kind of things that make them unique. I want them to feel like they they belong just the way they are in the kingdom and they have a kingdom like significant life-changing role in history to play mm-hmm. and also the suffering uh, is redemptive beautiful meaningful and very important to Christian life and shouldn't be avoided but instead consecrated right. to Christ so that's kind of the two things that I feel like I'm learning right now and so that's what I talk about the most and I hope that people can take that away from hearing these songs all this time like a vagabond, a homeless stranger, I've been wandering all my life. You've been calling me to home, you know. I've been needing a broken stone. So lay me in the house you're building. Well, I've gotten a chance to listen to the album, and it definitely has that unique balance of kind of a worshipful tone, but also, you know, something you could put on in your car and drive to work to. So do you feel like there's a difference between performance and worship for you, or is it all kind of the same when you're making music? Oh, it's all the same. And I mean, it's not that it always feels the same, because that's not, you know, we've learned to kind of categorize things as worship when they feel worshipful, and that is not actually, in my opinion, good good understanding of what worship is at all yeah and so for me you know it's the washing of the dishes at home when I don't want to do it and it's midnight but I know I should because my roommate's going to be mad if I don't (laughs) and that that is really the moment when my character uh shines through and do I really love right and good you know more than I do my own desires and so worship is literally interwoven into every task throughout your day and um, that includes performing and so even if I'm performing a song that isn't quote-unquote worship song you know which I do a lot I like a lot of sing covers and they used to play at bars all the time I still do once in a while but um, I call that worship too you know yeah. I'm just doing what I'm gifted to do and being myself in the process and doing it for love of God, you know, even if I'm not talking about him or singing about him at that moment. And uh, I think it can be said for every action. Yeah. Um, even especially the small things, probably. In house that was Audrey Assad. You can check her out at AudreyAssad.com. You're listening to the Avet Brothers. The song is Head Full of Doubt slash Road Full of Promise. Forward or backwards? 
forward slash. I would have said backslash. It's backwards. I know. People say forward slash. I don't like it. It's weird. The video for that is playing right now on relevant.tv. It's from their album, I and Love and You. It's a wonderful album. Okay. It's time for your feedback. Last week was a bizarre podcast where Jesse decided, Jesse and Lloyd, I guess, brought us tales of summertime beach going escapades and pool going escapades. I think Jesse went on a rant about how if somebody swims in jeans, it makes the pool dirty. <laughs> it just makes the pool feel dirty. Okay. But though, though it could make it dirty too. I don't know what they're carrying in those jeans. Well, if it's new jeans that haven't, the dye hasn't been washed out yet. Well, then the dye's all in the pool. What, what, what about, dirty? what if it was carrying monkeys? <laughs> yeah. What if the guy forgets he got 18 <laughs> monkeys in the pocket? 16 live ones. Oh, <laughs> RIP monkeys. We, we want to know from you any memorable summertime pool beach stories. Like, for example, you're at the beach with your family having a nice time on the eastern coast of Russia. And all of a sudden, a screaming donkey comes flying out of the sky. Something like that, you know. And, and you get the urge to go to a private beach. We wanted you to go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and tell us your memorable summer beach pool stories. And actually, we have a couple of uh, audio ones as well. So we'll play those for you as well. Um, Alia says, uh, we had a sign, uh, at the pool, I'm assuming that said, welcome to our ool. Notice there is no P in it. Please keep it that way. I always wanted that sign at my pool. You did? Yeah. A friend of ours had that sign. I've I never even thought, heard of that. I, as a kid, I thought that was the most clever thing ever. <laughs> it's like the envy of the neighborhood. You know, you had it like cool. Uh, the cool family had the ool sign. Yeah. Um, my, here's my favorite. One time I faked drowning so that Wendy Peppercorn could rescue me and give me mouth to mouth resuscitation. <laughs> that was awesome. Signed squints. <laughs> I do like that. Um, JJ Carlson, his father, uh, they would see how long they could swim across the pool and they like put the floating mats along to give something to go underneath. And apparently his dad moved it once so that it was really further. And, and, uh, JJ ended up throwing up in the pool. His dad tried to, tried to drown him, I guess. Ew. Really? <laughs> yeah. <pretty good. laughs> All right. Well, next slide, next feedback. Uh, this this guy, uh, Angie Joe. Uh, I don't know if it's a guy or girl. I would say, uh, I don't know many guys named Angie. <laughs> well, when I was reading it, I pictured a guy because <laughs> I, I don't know why. It just seemed like something awkward that would happen to a guy. Um the teacher, they went to a, a swimming uh, class in gym class or whatever, and the teacher divided the class into deep end and shallow end groups. And when this, when Angie Joe noticed not one kid walked over to the shallow end group, uh, she decided that she didn't want to be the only one. And even though she couldn't swim very well, she would join the deep end group. Um, and as you can imagine, it didn't work out too well. She immediately sank like a rock and the teacher had to go get the quote unquote <laughs> drowning stick, <laughs> uh, which I, which I'm assuming is, is a large stick that they fetch drowning people with. I feel like, I feel like it has a hook on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It can also scoop donkey. <laughs> exactly. yeah. It's the same hook that the clown uses at showtime at the Apollo. Like the big shepherd. That's hook. the sand. Man, not the clown. What's his name? <laughs> it's the same amount of humiliation, though. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the teacher fished her out and gave her a lecture uh, that lasted about ten minutes in front of the whole class. 
and in a desperate attempt to save face, the save face, uh, she le- she yelled that I'm allergic to chlorine. <laughs> that somehow that what? was responsible for the incident. So she's used to um, swimming in non-chlorinated pools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm used to open water swimming. <laughs> Chad, um, a couple people called the podcast hotline. Don't you have one you want to play? Hi, this is Michael from New Jersey. Uh, I don't have any lake or pool stories, but I did work at a water park for nine years. Last five years, I was the manager, and uh, it was a good time, but a lot of crazy things happened at a water park. Um, first, to speak to swimwear, people really like to wear jeans in the water. And they become instantly enraged when you inform them that they can't ride down a water slide because they don't have the proper swimwear on. We had to uh, uh, escort a few people out every week just because they refuse to uh, get a swimsuit on or something. They become real indignant, so that was fun. Um, but then this one day, I was, uh, was up watching the park, making sure everything was running smoothly, it was okay, and one of my lifeguards informed me that there was a teenage couple having sex in the kiddie pool underneath one of those mushrooms that gush water out the top. Um, I stood outside the mushroom and turned off the flow to it, and, uh, and there they were. Um, so I informed them that all Although it was a family-oriented park and we encourage them to bring their children with them, we do not, in fact, wish for them to create children inside the park. Uh, so they were pretty embarrassed, more so when they had to explain to their parents why they were being escorted out by security. Um, so yeah, that was that was a fun day. Uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate the podcast. You keep me laughing every week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Wow. I don't know what's more shocking, that he that, that two people were caught, uh, you know, in that act uh, under the under the mushroom or that he had to escort several people out a week for wearing jeans no, on not, a water slide. Not just for wearing jeans but they got so enraged that they had to be escorted out. And I, and I picture people like decked out like Jay Leno and straight up double denim. <laughs> <laughs> like just like, like they have the denim button up shirt and they got the de- and tucked into jeans and they just got a towel thrown over their shoulder just like doop to do walking into the water park. What? I will not go home. Do they still have the braided leather belt on? That's the big mm. question. <laughs> that is a good question. Yeah, the, the braided leather belt that uh, could fit two of them in it, and, and like all the extra belt like dangles down the leg. <laughs> you know, over. it's like rolled yeah. over. Wow. Okay. Well, that was fun. All right, that'll do it for this week's feedback. Here's this week's editorial question of the week. Editorial question of the week. Okay. So on this week's podcast, we had three count them three animal related. Items. We had iced tea and Coco's Hoppy the Bullfrog, who was going in for <laughs> knee surgery. We had the flying um, parachuting donkey. And we had the smuggling monkeys, mm-hmm. the 16 who lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it got us thinking about animals. And it got us thinking that it is really, really ridiculous that iced tea has a bullfrog. <laughs> And that the bullfrog was getting knee surgery. <laughs> yeah, and that no. iced tea was making the bullfrog do something <laughs> that required it to... Uh, Blow its you knees know, out. Try physically so hard that it would injure its knee to the point that it needs surgery to repair it. So we thought, okay, if you could have any animal pet in the world, it was legal, just carte blanche. What pet would you want to have and why? Like, would you want a monkey that could fit inside the size of your, in, in, in your pocket? Things like that. Would you well, want a bullfrog? If I, I, I would take the 18 
And I would train them to do a tiny circus. <laughs> the 16. Well, well, yeah. Well, okay. Do you know why it would be awesome to have 16 tiny monkeys? Why? Because you could go to the toy store, right? And you could buy like all the Barbie toys and all like the doll houses and stuff. And to the tiny monkeys, it would be like you're literally buying them that thing. <laughs> how do you, how do you like, how do you think the monkeys would feel if you bought the barrel of monkeys and set it next to them? <laughs> do you think they would be offended or do you think they'd feel like they have somebody to play with? I think, I think they would feel a little bit objectified. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Jesse, yeah, I you like, think this is all I am. Yeah. Jesse, I like that your first impulse is that you would go buy Barbies and Barbie houses. <laughs> well, well, You're I'm like, saying, I've been looking it, for an excuse. 16 monkeys, done. <laughs> what I'm saying, you know, monkeys are pretty intelligent, right? Yeah. Uh, at least at least that's what we surmise. Right. Um, so if I bought them a, 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 like an awesome Barbie mansion, that would be like someone buying me a mansion. <laughs> I would be very appreciative of that. Except for the fact and, that you've got to live with 16 other people, thereby making it not big anymore. Well, in that case, I mean, how much could a Barbie mansion be? I you know? know, I mean, if I can afford sixteen <laughs> tiny monkeys smuggled in from Peru, I can build. I can afford a couple Barbie houses. So you would yeah. put one per room. You would make it nice and spacious for the monkeys. Yeah, and and I would give them. And you know what would be really cool too? Remote control cars that they can drive on oh, themselves. Oh, that's true. They That'd would be really cool. enjoy you know? that. Yeah. I mean, th- I, w- I would literally give these monkeys everything I want. <laughs> I-, I can't get past this. You, you posed a question a minute ago. What was Ice-T doing to his bullfrog? What, was, what feat was he making him do that blew out its knees? Mm. <laughs> and I, can't, I cannot rationalize an answer to that. I mean, was he, was he like seeing how far the bullfrog could jump? See how high the bullfrog could jump off of something without injuring the knee. Maybe he was trying to make him play center for the Boston Celtics. Ooh. <laughs> maybe, Ooh. maybe this is a new hip hop, you know, kind of replacing the pit bull fighting thing. Maybe, oh, yeah. they, maybe true. all the rappers are in like some sort of bullfrog. <laughs> that would kick each other. That would be amazing. Yeah, a kicking competition. Fight, yeah, they fight. <laughs> they they fight, and he blew his knees out. Yeah, he hyperextended yeah. his knee. Wow. Exactly. Uh, I th- yeah, I think we might be exposing some kind of CD underground ring. It's of like, bullfrog yeah. This is the this is the new East Coast West Coast <laughs> bullfrogs. <laughs> bullfrogs. Yeah, but he was in New York. Yeah, I know. So maybe the bullfrog, like, but maybe he's the only West Coast frog in New York. Okay, so he got yeah. ganged up on. He was like a ringer. He's yeah. like he's like the one crip in New York. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So he got taken down. Yeah. You guys are weird. No, this is making sense. I think it's no, making the sense. only logical thing is that something criminal was going on. <laughs> he is on law and order. Is iced tea here, okay? Uh, I still can't get over that he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Yeah, that's, that's the, really the headline yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, can, can I can I just throw one thing out for people that when when they're trying to answer this question of the week, if they need inspiration. There was a show on PBS a while ago that I was fortunate enough to to somehow stumble upon late at night, and it was called Ferrets, The Pursuit <laughs> of Excellence. Okay? What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even playing, okay? It was a whole documentary about people that their whole lives are dedicated to training ferrets to perform well in, like, ferret shows. Wow. Isn't that the little, like the, the girl pageants, the little girls, they dress them up? Yes, like John, but it's like ferrets. But they do it with ferrets? <laughs> yes. Like, and they make these ferrets. Okay, this one lady had all these tubes running throughout her house. Are all the mothers really fat? <laughs> and they, living vicariously the, the, through the ferret? I, w- I will say this, that the ferret owners 
uh, uh, tend not to be slim. <laughs> from from what I've observed from the show, they also really like homemade T-shirts pertaining to ferret ownership. Puff, puff paint. Yeah, a lot of puff paint, a lot of bedazzled, but the theme is always the same, which is ferret ownership. But anyway, they they, they train the ferrets to like build up their muscle. They make them eat different things to like make their coats more furry. And if you had a sweet animal, what would you do to make it awesome? Like these ferret owners. <laughs> like you with your Barbie house. Yeah. I've, my monkeys. People I used to work for, they found a little baby squirrel on the side of the road and they they took it home and put it like in a bird cage, and I remember feeding it a bottle and what stuff. Yeah, <laughs> wait to nurse it back to health. Uh-huh. And did they keep it after it was healthy? I don't really know what happened to it. I think it started to get too crazy, and then they let well, it out. It is a squirrel. Yeah, they were feeding it a bottle. Yeah, they like. I mean, they, I think they went to the vet or whatever, but they like, like it, this is turning into the Seinfeld episode. Yeah, <laughs> every time I see it, I think of that. <laughs> and I also I'd say that I was watching that Princess and Tear or whatever it was. Yeah, and. The episode I saw, they had a Ferrets. mother's no, they had a mother's pageant at the end, oh. and only one lady entered. And so I was thinking, oh, they're <laughs> not they're not going to do it. But no, they called the lady, and she walked up, and she oh like did the turn, and she was so serious. And then she got off, and she literally walked behind stage, and they said, "And the winner is," and she walked back up. Stop it! That's I am amazing. not kidding. It was so awesome. That's awesome. that's how they end the ferret pageants. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can watch preview. There, there are clips on YouTube. I just looked. Look, just look for ferrets: the pursuit of excellence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. if you want to answer the question of the week, head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and right there in the comments, you can post them. We will read our favorites next week. If you want to call in and uh, give us your story or your your answer via. Our hotline, the number is 407-660-1411, extension 126. That's a podcast hotline. On that note, we'll wrap it. Many thanks to Pete Wilson for uh, talking to us. You can follow him on Twitter at twitter.com slash pwilson. Again, his new book is called Plan B, What Do You Do When God Doesn't Show Up the Way You Thought He Would? Also, be sure to check out Adria Saad. Her new album is called The House You're Building. It just released July 13th, and you can find out more at AudreyAssad.com. A-U-D-R-E-Y-A-S-S-A-D.com. On that note, we'll wrap it. On behalf of Chad Michael Snavely, I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Maya Strang. I'm Ryan Ham. I'm Josh Loveless. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. Wait, 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 Glenn Beck gets a hold of this one.